This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back to Get Psyched, everyone. Talk about psyching. I am so stoked to share today's conversation with you. I'm sitting down with Thorne Bradley, who is one of my longest friends on the show. I think we realized we'd been friends for 23, going on 24 years. So to say that we have seen each other grow through some shit would be an understatement. This guy is crushing it in the professional world, social media world, just all around crushing it. He does more than just your average Fitspo Instagram page. Thorne uses his channel as a living, breathing journal, sharing experiences that he's gone through, lending advice, but most importantly, giving you advice on things that he has lived through. He doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk and puts advice into practice. We also dive into training through trauma, cultivating curiosity around coping and healing and getting comfortable with the quiet, stripping away the stimulus that we are so easily influenced by. So I will link his page in the show notes. And if you're already in the show notes, you're already in Apple Podcasts, dude, leave a five-star rating and review. It allows me to continue to get guests like Thorne on the show and really helps elevate the show and get into new listeners. So if you guys have a second, please head over and do that five-star rating and review. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Without further ado, we'll get into the episode and enjoy sitting down with Thorne Bradley. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that what this industry has created on its own, just these businesses that aren't even, they're like, honestly, people now in the fitness industry are their own business. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy to see the shift of like the hard in-person brick and mortar jobs just aren't really existing anymore. Like people are just getting away from that. It's insane. Yeah. And media has created a culture where brick and mortar, I think that there will always be a place for it because I, you know, for how long I did CrossFit, for how long I did team sports and everything else, like I truly believe, and this could be my own bias, but I think that there will always be a place where people want community. People want to feel connected. And that's, what's been so hard through COVID, right? It's not being able to cultivate that as organically. Um, But yeah, I think that people in the fitness industry absolutely have built a business around themselves. It's crazy. And it's crazy because you see like it's also changing what we look at as well what people who are intelligent enough to change their perspective on it what we're looking at as experience because in the fitness industry for the longest time like i am a strength and conditioning coach um the hardest part about strength and conditioning is it's a very niche union type community it's a boys club Mm. there are women in this boys club but only the women who well i don't want to say only i'm sure there's exceptions but generally the women who have accepted as being sort of the exception in the boys club. Right. And this boys club community in the strength and conditioning industry is so fucking pretentious. It's so pretentious because it's like, we're not CrossFit. We're not bodybuilding. We know all. And if you have the right certification and if you work for the right, if whoever you work for is just high enough on the institution ladder, like a division one school, an NFL team, an NBA team, a hockey team, whatever it is, if you're high enough up that ladder, then you've made a name for yourself and people want to listen. Mm. 
but nobody wants to listen to this guy. A great example is Eugene Teo. I don't know if you know who he is. But Not he's familiar. In, he's in um, Australia. He has no certifications. At least the last time I checked, he didn't graduate from any school. And he knows more about fitness, physiology, and health than any human that I've ever met or seen or listened to. And yet he has none of those things, but he would never get a job at a university. Just because of because not having he, the right initials next to his name. Right, not, not the right initials and not the fact that he doesn't have whatever fucking certification they deem necessary for it. So there's this blind eye that happens, especially in the fitness industry where it's like, well, what have you done? Who are you? Are you just in, it is this level right now where it's like, if you're, if you're an insp- a fitspiration on Instagram, you don't know shit. Well, that's, it's like, is it true? Yeah. You're selling is it fit always tea. true? But is it always true? N- not always. So you have this like next level of intelligence that come along where it's like, okay, we can't just discredit somebody yet until we've seen whatever it is that they're, they're trying to, you know, I don't want to say sell. It's usually sell, but whatever it is they're trying to teach me. And the problem is, is that if you come in with that preconceived notion of like when that girl walks up to you and you're like, Hey, she's about to try to sell me something. Are you usually right? Yes. But there's going to be a 1%. And that 1% has something you could learn from. And we keep in our professions, you get to this point where you're like pretentious. So you close off to those people instead of like, dude, there might be somebody out there. Eugene Teo is a great example, but there might be somebody out there who knows a whole hell of a lot. But because they're not fitting whatever box I need them to fit in, they're full of shit. Mm. So you hit this point where your knowledge gets in the way of learning anymore. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest things that I have learned in life is that there is somebody that is going, anyone can teach me anything. I learned so much more from my adolescent or teenage clients all the time. Like we need to, I guess, kind of adopt this like white belt mentality or this this beginner's mindset to even be able to open ourselves up to curiosity, to be able to have conversations with people that just because some institution didn't deem them whatever, master of whatever, like they, it's not, doesn't make their knowledge any less credible. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And it's tough now because uh, social media has created this realm where it's like, Everyone's so woke about the fact that nobody knows anything about fitness on there. It's like I know everything only, about fitness. There's only, a, there's only a chosen few. It's like, hey, there's these five percent of creators where they know their shit. Listen to this guy because everybody else around them is full of shit and trying to sell you something. Mm. And if this person isn't trying to sell you something, they must be on that one. They're pretentious enough to be on that one percent where this person has enough knowledge for me to learn from because they have MA in front of MS in front of their name or they have a PhD or dude. I could tell you right now, I could I can't even count on two hands how many fucking PhDs in the fitness industry have sold some garbage BS about like an ice bath, for example, and not know anything about the physiology of what happens as like just the down signaling cascades in the cells that take place when you take an ice bath. Yet they'll sell it to somebody as this curation or treatment that'll actually help. How many fucking physical therapists out there that might actually do cupping today? And cupping has no fucking, like literally no scientific backing as having any evidence of working on the human body. None. Mm-hmm. I've been pouring through the fucking, like all of the research for the past five years to find one article that supports that cupping has any efficacy and there's none. Yet it's going to be found in every physical therapist's office or every athletic training office in America. So I, I'm going to push back a little bit on that just because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um 
cupping and acupuncture and those things, right? They they have a big Eastern medicine pull For to sure. them. Absolutely. So if we're looking at it through the Western medicine lens, I think, yeah, you're going to be very, very hard pressed to find literature on that. Um, but there is, you know, this is my own woo woo side coming out, but the idea of moving energy through the body and things like that. Do you think that that has an effect on people's athletic Not only performance? do I think it, I know it. So let me back up real quick before I, cause I do this all the time. I'll, I'll, I'll sell things as black and white as right or wrong. I'm not trying to do that. So cupping does have efficacy in the general sense. There's multitude of reasons why I could tell you how it could help somebody. Mm-hmm. The number one being placebo. Right. And let me not be an asshole and everyone think, well, so he's saying it doesn't work. No, the placebo is one of the strongest effects you can have on the human body. Physiologically, our mind. It's our mind. Physiologically, you can, through placebo, have somebody enforce a physiological response on their skin for a burn if you don't actually burn their skin by like they'll show a fake hand above your real hand and start doing some mm-hmm. techniques that make you actually feel when the fake hand is being touched because that's what your neurology is responsible for mm-hmm. and then burn the fake hand and you'll actually get a burn on your real hand. Mm. It's not, and this isn't saying like, Oh, some witch doctor did it once. No, it literally happens all the time. In all studies, it happens all the time. So I can't sit here and tell you placebo doesn't have a physiological response. And obviously it's got to be worth something if I'm still talking about it and still researching it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Like I'm, I'm on the cusp of wanting to be proven wrong about everything I believe in. Yet, if something, and I'm sure your job isn't to do cupping. I'm sure it's just a small piece of the larger picture that you guys do. A lot of the shit I do at my job is very placebo. Mm. If I am, for example, screaming and yelling and motivating a group of kids to get the best out of them in the weight room, is that actually having a physiological response? If you looked at it in like a scientific study, probably nothing. But does that mean it has no evidence? But I mean, psychologically. Psychologically. Is there a sense that that might actually improve them? Of course. What I'm trying to say is that so much of the industry is backed in these people that want to give these all out answers of right and wrong, what works, what doesn't, this does this, this does that. And there's really not enough evidence for you to pick one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And if you can't go into any conversation and lead with, hey, I really don't know, but let's just do it because it's not going to hurt you to attempt this way or the other people don't have the capacity to do that because all they want to do is be right or wrong right no one can go into it like hey you know i don't really know but i think it might be worth your time yeah i mean i think that fitness and and anything else we get very very stuck and very rigid in our ways of thinking and it takes a miracle to change that it takes something for people to stop and go oh shit like what i believed to be a concrete definite truth for so long might actually be bullshit. And what I love that you're touching on is that it sounds like you have an openness or a curiosity to be proven wrong. I want to every day. And that's literally my desire is to learn something new that changes my perspective because it kind of floors me a little bit and goes, Hey, that master's degree you got all those research articles you wrote, Every single study you ever did, they're all bullshit and this is why. Like I'm looking for that. Yeah. And just like you just now didn't say, oh, well, he's got a master's degree in physiology. Maybe I should just take his face value at the fact he said cupping might be bullshit. You came back and said, hold on. Don't you think there's some efficacy to it? So like that's what I love about – that's those are the people I want to surround myself with is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say because that makes me challenge it. And then that's the reason you have to understand like the only person <laughs> – 
that would look into cupping for five years and articles and studies and see what's coming out about it is someone who genuinely doesn't a hundred percent believe that you know it's not right. Yeah. Because anyone that's sold on completely thinking it's bullshit is never going to look into it again. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I look every year, every couple months on trying to find if some of these modalities have any evidence to back them means that there is a 1% of my brain that wants it to come up with at least some evidence that gives us a reason. Mm-hmm. And just because it doesn't do the things that a lot of people sell it to do doesn't mean it doesn't have some sort of effect because afferents in a nerve, so afferents, like when you're taking a C fiber and an A fiber and only triggering one of those, it's going to distract your brain from listening to the other fibers that are being signaled. Mm. Cupping is going to signal the ones that are best at dealing with temperature. So the most distal part of the skin is going to pick up on the fact that you're cupping and then distract the brains and the neurons from signaling any patterns that are having pain deeper down in the muscle. So if you're creating that distraction, you are helping pain significantly. Oh, absolutely. And at the end of the day, isn't that what you're really ultimately probably trying to do with cupping? Yeah. I mean, when I had Tommy John surgery, uh, which was rad, I just sat in waiting rooms with a bunch of baseball players all the time. Yeah, it's Uh, pretty rare that anyone but a baseball player gets that. I know. And here I am, right? Uh, It's on brand for me to have something Something that no one else has. Uh, So... That was probably one of the most effective things in my recovery. And I guess I had never thought about it from the way that you're explaining it now. But there was so much neural blocking. Because when I tore my Tommy John and a handful of other things in my elbow, I dislocated and hyperextended the elbow. And so any time in physical therapy or anything else, any of my home remedies or anything, any time my arm would get close to full extension, my brain would fire and say, no, no, no. Last time you were close to that, That's what happened. I got really hurt. Yeah. And so boom, all of a sudden my bicep, Locked tricep, up. forearm, everything's firing and I'm bending, mm-hmm. right? Like the body is so incredible and so miraculous and has survived for this long for a reason, but the body doesn't know Western medicine. So it does an incredible job of healing itself almost to, you know, a a paralyzing degree. Um, And so cupping, exactly what you're saying, I was able to move into ranges of motion, perhaps because my brain was focusing on the fact that I had these cups on, the fascial tissue was being pulled, whatever, that like we were able to start kind of playing games with that neural blocking and getting my arm to a full extension. But also at the same time, because I I sit here and I'm... Dude, I'm definitely the guy who's like, show me the evidence. Mm. I'm always that guy. Show me the evidence. When has that shown up to be the case in hard evidence? When have we ever seen it that replicated in a, in a place or a position where it can be replicated again doing the same? But here's the thing is that when our cells, you know, come together, when our cells are created, they don't have a preference as to whether or not you believe in Western medicine or Eastern medicine we're, we all, like all of our evolutionary responses have existed way longer than either one of those capacities have existed. So if you're already picking a a camp before you've given either one a shot, you're selling yourself way short. Mm. And the existence of both is super important. Like, dude, you know how many people have told me, like, especially in my field, that chiropractic is bullshit. That chiropractic is straight up bullshit. I mean, I think it's probably still 50, 50 is 2020. And we're still 50-50 on whether or not chiropractic helps people. It's fucking nonsense. Like anytime you relieve and so many people are like, oh, chiropractic is bullshit. Have you ever had a nerve get pinched? I have not, but. It's very, it's very, very obvious that something's happening. 
It's like kinking a hose, mm-hmm. right? It's the same. Literally, if, if you don't believe in that, just go pick up Grey's Anatomy. Not the seasons, but <laughs> if someone's listening and thinks I'm talking about, I don't, I've never seen the show, but go pick out a Grey's Anatomy book, open it up, look on any page that's showing you nerves and see where they pass through things. And if there's any pressure on a nerve, it's going to create an insane amount of pain because at the end of the day, it's all nerves do. Mm-hmm. They're just sending signals. So if one's pinched or blocked or kinked or something like that, so of course you're going to have a physiological response. And you're going to tell me that a chiropractor relieving the tension in between two joints and pulling them apart a little further isn't going to have an effect on that. Mm. But yet still 50% of our very intelligent population of educated humans has no faith in chiropractic. Yeah. And I, I'm, look, I have no stocks in chiropractic. I don't know a chiropractor personally. I legit have no ties to it. But it seems pretty crazy to me that that's still considered either Eastern or Western medicine, depending on what camp you're in. I mean, I have had so much success in blending the worlds, just like you were saying. Like, did I go to physical therapy and did I take, you know, did I take the Western route? Yes. Until it wasn't working and I knew more could be done. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting curious. That's all any of us can do because what works for my body might not work for yours, might not work for the next person because we're all such different beings and the placebo being what it is. I guarantee you, like I would leave acupuncture appointments and whether or not the acupuncture did what it said it was doing, I believed enough that like, my elbow was relaxing. So then if I was your elbow's relaxing, extension. are you not getting a result? Exactly. Yeah, well, then what the fuck? If, if yeah. there's no evidence in that, I mean, it's crazy. So for people that don't follow you, um, I know we kind of jumped right into this conversation, but... Did, are we recording? We're recording. Oh, I didn't know we were recording How crazy. <laughs> I thought we were just talking. We're just so. talking. I mean, that's the best part of a yeah, podcast, right? So I have known you, oh my gosh, 20 years? Yeah, well, I'm 29 um we we first met in like first grade second grade so what age would you be in first or second grade six or seven six seven over 20 years 23 years yeah i've known you for decades we'll say that because that sounds crazy rad so i've known thorn for decades um it's been really incredible watching your growth and your success and everything that you're doing on social media because it's so much different from what we're talking about right now like people either like where's the facts, where the evidence, which is what you do, but you marry it in this way where you're open and you're curious and you're willing to have someone prove you wrong. So in a world on social media where you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know for me, it's been like, especially from a therapy standpoint or anything else, like people trying to poke holes or, you know, where, where do you get off saying this? Or what is your, what's, what's your degree? Like, why can you say this? How do you marry those two worlds of being curious and educational, saying here's the evidence and here's what I'm providing in a way that's digestible for people and followers? I think first and foremost, whatever information I give people has to be something that I think somebody can apply. And that being the most important thing is that, look, no one wants to go to a dentist with bad teeth. Right. So you walk into a dentist's office and you see he's got fucked up and jacked, sorry, jacked up teeth. And, you can cuss. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be tough for me if I can't. Um, no, we're here. And anyway, here yeah. For it. So you walk into a dentist and they got jacked up teeth and you've lost your faith and belief in what they can deliver for you with whatever help you need. So mm-hmm. social media has created a world where I can present myself as the way that I am and that be the cover of whatever book people are about to open. So the thing is, is like, 
it is very vapid. It's very vain. I also happen to be, to a fault, a very vain person. Mm. I care too much about the way that I look, the way that I appear, what I'm selling, what I'm presenting as. Even as I sit here right now, I can, I'm selecting and choosing the words I want to say based on how intelligent I come off, right? Mm. So I'm aware. The thing is, is that I am vain, but at least I'm in a moment or a point in my life now where I'm aware of it. So it's creating this this nice little cushion of space, almost like when two windows are together, you have that little vacuum. Mm-hmm. I have this little vacuum that every idea has to pass through. And it's that vacuum of sort of vanity. And I know that sounds a little esoteric, but when I'm selling or giving people this advice or trying to help people or trying to give this little bit of information to people, it has to pass through that first because I'm asking myself, wait, hold on. Are you living what you're about to lay out to people are mm. you actually executing this and i've had so many fucking amazing captions i've written before where i'm getting ready to post it and then thought to myself hold on you haven't applied that yourself today yesterday the week before the month before let's and i know it to be true at that moment in time i'm like this is for sure great advice this is a good good piece of advice to give the average person but i haven't applied it myself so even though I believe wholeheartedly that it's in irreversible advice that people are not going to fight me on, if I haven't applied it myself yet, it's probably not a good idea for me to hand that advice out until I put it into practice. Mm. So I do that with every category. Every category you can think of, whether it's fitness, relationship advice, life advice, it could be nutrition, it could be anything. It could be poli- I try to not to be political because I'm not educated enough to go that direction, but it doesn't matter what it is. I pass it through that space first, that sort of space of needing things to be applicable and at least relevant to some people before I've put it out there. So instead of fact checking with the typical sense of like how many people agree with me on this or needing that validation all the time when you post something of needing it to be right or wrong, instead of that, I've just literally dwindled it down to has this worked for me at least once before I try to sell it to somebody. Mm. Has this been something that I put into practice and noticed a real result from? And as long as it's happened once, I consider it valid advice for sure. Now, obviously, that's been challenged many times in my life, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, because I've been put in these really uncomfortable positions lately where I've had to take a new perspective on the world because I've realized that I've lived a life from only one perspective Mm. as a white male from Groveland, California, who has had things sort of fall into place the way that I needed them to at the hardest times of my life, just because I've had that little bit of advantage on other people. Right. There's some privilege. Right. So there is some privilege there to why some things have worked for me and might not work for somebody else. Now, does that apply to all my advice when I'm talking about just muscle fibers? Of course not. That's not really necessarily the same thing that I'm trying to sell. But if you go on my Instagram, you'll find that it's very rare. I'm even really talking about science. It's very, it's very, it's very esoteric advice I'm giving. It's trying to help people just process the very foundation of who they are as a person Mm. before they're trying to change any of the other shit that doesn't matter. So from like a health perspective, at first I started, I was like, I'm a fucking closet genius with how much knowledge I have about physiology. And I want people to see that a person with tat, this was the beginning. I want people to see that a person with tattoos who wears Carhartt clothes, who lives a very, very remote life um, can have a lot of knowledge about something that's so geared in like university studies and science and all of this. And right. You're not just a hillbilly. Right. But I am, but I'm not. 
Yeah. And that's what, that was kind of the fun part of the beginning. But then I got into it and realized, dude, dude, nobody fucking cares about mTOR. Nobody cares about the cell signaling cascades that create change in the cells. Like people don't care about this shit. I do. It interested me a lot. But the people who I'm going to help the most are the people that I can help on a very basic foundational level because I realized all along this way that when I was getting all this knowledge at a university, the whole time I was going through these very real world problems, mm. these very super relatable shit where it's like a relationship that stifled me and put me in a position where I couldn't grow. I couldn't change. I couldn't show off how much I knew <laughs> or going through friendships that were changing because somebody else was going through a different part of their life than me or wasn't listening to the advice. I was whatever it is, familial problems, all this stuff, all this stuff I learned from, I realized Dude, the, what it took to get me through a master's degree taught me so much more than anything I got in my master's degree that now I found out that the expert knowledge I have isn't even any of the physiology or science that I got at the end of the day with that diploma. It was all the horrible, hard living, nonsense shit I went through to get that master's degree. And now all of a sudden, that's what made me a guru to a lot of these mm. people. So they're like, yeah, he knows this much about science, but I just want to know, man, like people write me in my DMs. I just want to know I'm in this relationship and I'm really struggling with this or that, or I'm really having a hard time, you know, just processing the way I feel about my body or my life. And I'm finding myself in these positions where people are really just being sold this image of success that I have. And whether or not I even think I'm successful is a whole different topic for a whole different day, but they're being sold that and that's what they're trying to buy. Mm. They don't give a shit about, Dude, you have biceps. Great. I can go do curls myself. I want to know how I put myself in a position to sell confidence like you do. Or I want to be able to walk with the swagger that you have or be as confident as I have when you talk. I want to feel that way when I talk. Or I know that the other gender is very attracted to you. How can I put myself in a position where I'm like you? Or I, I want to copy and paste the success you've had and I want to put it in my life. Hmm. So I'm in this interesting position where I've tried so hard for so long to validate myself and found that that was not authentic because I'm not teaching people to be the best version of themselves. I've been teaching people all along how to become me. And now everyone wants to buy that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants to buy that. Everybody wants to be Thor, Bradley Thor on Instagram. Everybody, not everybody. I know that's, that's we nonsense. Know what you not meant. everybody wants to be that. Meant. But the people who are following me do want a piece of that. They want to find that success. They want to find that feeling, that confidence, that charisma. And now I found myself at this crossroads with all these people who follow me. Where I want to just kind of wake them up, throw cold water on them and go, hold on, shake them back to the real world and go, you don't want to be me. Trust me. There's a lot of shit I'm still coping with every day. You want to be you and you just want to learn from my mistakes faster Mm. so that you don't make them and so that you can put yourself in a position where you can skip further than me. Maybe you're a 24 year old kid who just graduated from college and doesn't quite have an identity with what he wants to do in life yet. Maybe I can put you to five years further ahead emotionally so you don't have to go through the bullshit that I went through. I don't want you to be me. I don't need, we don't need another thorn in this world. We don't, we got one. Yeah, it's he's like, enough. That's, that's, <laughs> it's more than enough most of the time. But I just want people, and that's what I'm trying to sell now. And I woke up with this realization like a year, it's only been like a year since I woke up and I was like, holy shit, I'm just like, giving all this advice that's going to create a bunch of carbon copies of me. I don't want that. I don't mm. want to, I don't want to run into somebody who's like, you're Bradley Thor from Instagram. I want to take a picture with you. I want to stand next to you. I want to tell somebody that we met, Hey, can you sign this, you know, lifting strap and send it back to, I don't want those people. I want a bunch of people who can pick me apart at my flaws 
because you're great at that for the record. My <laughs> sister is also really good at that. But I want people who can pick me apart at my flaws, call me on my bullshit and push me one step further tomorrow because I'm not growing from the people who the agree yes with men, me. Right? I don't, I'm not growing from They're not getting me anywhere. And I was for a while cultivating this environment on social media where I was selling to people you can even do it and it happens a lot. You can even do it like it's huge right now with women and body image and people getting really excited about gaining muscle, right? It's this new wave. We have this new era of, and I love to see it. I love seeing women lifting heavy weight and not being scared to get bulky anymore. Mm -hmm. But now the reverse is happening, which is if you're skinny and you're you're not muscular and you're not into lifting heavy weights, then you're the cardio bunny who doesn't care. And it's like, no, hold on. Like the whole problem of why we were in the situation in the first place was because we were selling one body as the right body and one frame of mind as the right frame of mind. And we keep just swaying from one side to the other Mm -hmm. instead of getting the real point across, which is like, dude, you guys just keep selling this like dogma on everything where everything is like, it all fits into your box. And if it fits into your box, it's good. And you should follow me. Because we're all on the same team. I don't want a bunch of people on my team. I don't want that. I don't want all... Because I didn't get to where I am today because a bunch of people agreed with me. I became this weird sort of strange idea of like a constantly like moving cell all the time where I'm going from place to place just picking up a little bit when I go here and when I go there because all those people disagree with me. Right. So how did you, I know you said you woke up one day and you're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm selling a carbon copy of myself or I'm selling, you know, advice to people who want to be me. Was there a moment? Was there a triggering event? Was there something that like triggered that wake up of like, wait, I want to shift this perspective. Yeah. It's when it's, they don't seem related, but I promise you'll understand what I mean when I get the whole story out. But it's when I got my job as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, in the NCAA as a full-time job in my 20s, which is rare. Mm-hmm. Usually NCAA Division One coaches are well-ventured, have been to community colleges, have done the whole gambit, have been an assistant at a huge school, and are now the lead dog at a smaller school. That's usually sort of the process that takes place, especially in strength and conditioning. And I landed this job because I was the student of the year when I got my master's degree, and that kind of sold itself. A lot of my writing sold itself. My ideas were big enough and different enough for them to kind of put their faith in the fact that a 20-something-year-old could do this job. But then I woke up one day and I had this new identity because I got this job. So I had this new identity of like, mm-hmm. I made it. I did it. I'm an NCAA Division One strength and conditioning coach. There is no higher place to be in this field. You're trusted. You're working with top-notch athletes. You're world-class. And you have all the equipment you'd ever need, all the money you'd ever need from, not from, I mean, I don't get paid that much, but all the money you would ever need from a working perspective, mm-hmm. the top Sorenex equipment, people are looking to you for advice. And I woke up one day and went, holy shit, I'm not learning anything. I just am repeating the same Groundhog Day systematic processing that a strength and conditioning coach is supposed to do to check the box and say they did their job. So for those who aren't familiar with strength and conditioning, I liken it to accounting because it's all periodization. It's all percentage-based. It's all, if you do these steps, five, three, one, whatever you want to, juggernaut systems, whatever, whatever percentage-based systems you take, people will get stronger. And that is the black and white answer to it. Mm-hmm. And I was running into kids, especially at my school, but running into kids who weren't winning on the field or weren't playing on the field, 
who had these variables that are never addressed in my field. Mm. And these variables are not quantifiable. I broke up with my boyfriend yesterday and I can't perform in the weight room today. I can't do what you're asking me to do because I failed a test and now I'm really exhausted. My parents got a divorce all the way back in Ohio and I'm having a hard time finding a necessary association with why the fuck sports are important anymore. Why are they important? And you're running into these problems even though the whole thing you've shaped for yourself is answering questions with science. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Science Mm -hmm. and math answers the question, but there's variables that exist far deeper and beyond that. So I lost an identity with everything that I knew, which caused me to then take a look in the mirror real quick and go, you don't know enough to do this job or any job adequately until you're willing to address the fact that you're not as smart as you thought you are. You don't know as much as you thought you knew. That master's degree you got, yeah, it doesn't mean shit. Because you can't answer these questions for people without trying to go science every time. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, Well, science science is great. Oh, it so has its we purpose. Need it, yeah. We need it. But that doesn't boil down to the individual. That doesn't Never. boil down to divorce. If science could be answered in divorce, there'd probably be a lot less married people for out there. Sure. <laughs> right? For sure. And that was something that coaching for as long as I've coached and going through, you know, the things that I've gone through in my life, my life was not dictated very often with how I performed in practice every day. Yes. Does practice make perfect? And you can get into like the sports gene and the, and the 10,000 hour rule and all those different things. But what affected me was my entire childhood. I came home to a single mother addict alcoholic, right? Like, I wasn't sleeping well at night. And if I wasn't sleeping well at night, I wasn't performing. And when I get to my coach and they're like, hey, what's going on? It's like, oh, sorry, like my head's just not in the game. We don't give people a script or a way to open up and say, my boyfriend broke up with me or my mom's an addict or any of these different things. And what I noticed so much about working with the body and, and obviously I take this to a psychotherapy spot, but all of the research is showing us that trauma is stored in the body. Usually. And working with someone as intimately as you do in strength and conditioning, or in my case, CrossFit or team sports, it starts to manifest in ways that people don't even attribute to trauma. And you are now this trusted person. You've built rapport, whether that was through pumping someone up in the weight room, laughing with them, being willing to be there for them in in some of the hardest physical feats they've ever been through. There's this innate desire to connect. And there's this moment where it's like, you are a trusted person. And now I can tell you, hey, this is what's going on in my emotional life, not my physical life. Especially when someone's being physically challenged. That's, I mean, your walls get broken down as if you've had three beers. Yeah. I mean, when people are in those positions, there's a high, of course, that we know about when you exercise that breaks walls down. And especially when I'm young-ish, um, I'm 29. So when you're working with athletes who are either in their early 20s or late teens, they can relate to you a little easier. They're psyched. Right. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I definitely look the part of someone that they would at some, especially young men, but a lot of these people can actually relate to as being just with it enough to get some of the stuff they're going through. Mm-hmm. So you put them at the beginning of the workout, they're very cold, distant. They're wondering what the fuck is this guy? Even even if I've known him for a year, they're like, okay, what's his mood today? Trying to feel me out. And then halfway through the workout, they're telling me shit about their day or their life that seems nonsensical. Little mm-hmm. things here and there. Catch themselves. It's like you are a therapist. Yeah. But not by intent. 
So if a lot of these strength coaches catch themselves in these positions or a lot of these just life coaches in general catch themselves in these positions where they're asked a question that challenges who they are as a person and they want to give a cookie cutter answer without actually processing, how has this applied to your life before you open your fucking mouth? Mm. Like before you say anything about like, and that's a huge part that I was just steering back to with Black Lives Matter is like before I open my fucking mouth about this subject, let me ask if, have I ever been through what you're talking to me about before I give you my opinion on it? Mm-hmm. Have I ever gone through what you're going through? And if I did, did the way I respond actually yield a decent result? And if it didn't, am I blaming that on the other person mm-hmm. still? Mm-hmm. So I'm running into a lot or still currently running into a lot of stuff where I'm being challenged day to day by people I meet, by talks that I'm having, by situations I'm being in where it's breaking down all these borders where like now it's like fuck, it's like being in a fucking giant mushroom trip all the time. Cause <laughs> it's like, it, it really is like waking up every single day and knowing nothing again. Like the more I learn, the less I know. Yeah. And I know, I know that's such a cliche thing. We all say it when we get an education, but like if you really got an education, you walk out of the door with that diploma thinking, holy fuck, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. Like, and that's why I hate about my profession, about the fitness world is there's all these right and wrong answers people are always giving all the time. And for anybody listening who gives a shit about fitness or gives a shit about anything, if you get a black and white answer right away from somebody about any question you've asked, they might not know enough. Hmm. In fact, the first thing somebody should lead with is asking you for the context first. What's the context? Somebody asked me, is this food healthy? For example, if someone tells you that food is not healthy or okay to eat, they don't know anything about nutrition because at the end of the day, there is, unless it's poison, of course, but there is no food in this world that isn't healthy at some point in time. If you've been gone in the fucking forest for six days with no sustenance and need some calories now, it's not lettuce Drink time. Drink the milkshake. It's not lettuce <laughs> time to save your body, to put you in a position to be okay. You need something with more caloric density. So there's all these people who want to sit on their fucking hill and die on it with all these right and wrong answers. When you know you run into someone that knows a lot is they'll ask you for context first. Well, tell me more. And you know that as a therapist, it's like, it's not someone will give you a, what they thought was a very long explanation of something they're going through. And you won't respond back right away with exactly a right or wrong answer of how them, how they can fix their life today. It's most likely going to be a poking or prodding systematic process where you're asking for more. Give me more. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? How did it make you feel? What are your plans? What do you want out of this situation? That's what I do on a fitness perspective as I do those same things for people. When they ask for answers, they're like, hey, is squatting good? Dude, I don't know. We, like, give me more. How long is your femur? Have you ever had a knee injury? Is your goal to be a good squatter? Okay, let's back up. How many smart strength and conditioning, CrossFit, powerlifting professionals out there want to deem the squat as the king of exercises, but don't want to ask the person what they need from an exercise, what they need from exercise, what do they need from an exercise session? Mm-hmm. Is the squat a great exercise? I don't fucking know because I don't know the person asking. So we get married to all these things that are right, wrong, proper, good diagnostic like situations or like, hey, that might be a great exercise for you to choose. I don't know. I need to know more about you. And fitness is the worst industry for that right now because you have all these people who are trying to sell themselves as being progressive. Mm. I'm a woman and it's great. It's really cool that I got into weightlifting and I put on muscle and I embraced my masculine side or I embraced the fact that muscle is beauty. So you should too. 
hold on, hold on. Wipe this slate clean. We don't know who we're talking to, who we're dealing with, who you're selling that to. Is it someone who just came out of bulimia and right. was trying to be as lean and small as possible to be, you know, hopefully attractive because they have body dysmorphia. And now you're telling that same person they need more muscle to be pretty because if that's the case, you're just selling them on a new drug that is right. going you're to pushing the same bad body image that the was same thing. before. And now they're just jumping. And I see a lot of, I see it horribly right now happening with a lot of women who are pushing that same problem, mm-hmm. which is I'm jumping from one addiction to another, from one extreme to another. I used to be, look at this before picture of me. I used to go out and party all the time. Look how sickly and ill I look. But look how strong and awesome I am in the gym now because every day I wake up, I eat boiled chicken and I lift like it's fucking medicine. But they don't even realize the one extreme they were on on one side before is now their new extreme. And they Mm -hmm. can't even go out and have a beer without having a fucking nervous breakdown about the fact they drank some carbs. Right. So did you really solve anything or did you just replace one drug with another? Yeah, I will say going back to to my injury, right? Like I had you asked me five years ago, Lindsay, what's your goal with CrossFit? Not fail every single time. I was like, oh, I just want to be able to travel and drop into any gym, look what's on the board and say, I can do that. Crush it. That was that was my goal. It was like, can I be better than your average fitnesser and like not have a fear that I can't do something? I want to be capable of all of it. And that was my answer. However, I was tracking every macro. I was in the gym four, five, six hours a day. I stopped going to barbecues, birthday parties, restaurants, because I didn't know what oils people were cooking Mm. in. I lost so much of what makes me human for a goal that I wasn't even trying to attain. But I was in a world where some of the closest people to me were podiums at the CrossFit games. Yeah. We're competing at such a high Maybe level. Too many of them, yeah. And I was just in that culture. I was I was like, oh, everyone's tracking macros. Oh, everyone has a six pack. Oh, everyone this does this. Looks like. This is health. And it got to such an extreme that when I started getting little nagging injuries, right? I had a wrist injury and then I had some shoulder stuff. It was like, oh, like tape it, ice it maybe like stay away from inflammatory foods for a little while, you'll be okay. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I truly now look back at it, like my body whispered at me for so long. Yeah. Slow down, give me a break, drink a milkshake. Like, where's the balance? Yeah. And I didn't listen, didn't listen, didn't listen. So it was like, fine, motherfucker, I'm going to scream at you. Yeah. And I'm going to plant you on your ass and stop you. And that's fucking sick, dude. That was the best way to put that. Yeah. <laughs> it was at the time. And now that I've done all of my, my schooling so for forth, therapy yeah. and everything, and I can be like, oh, these are the signs of depression. This is how long it has to last. I was clinically depressed because I sat my ass on the couch and said, if I'm not an athlete, if I'm what not a I? coach, if I'm not a CrossFitter, who am I? And I went back to school. And I started going to barbecues and mm-hmm. I started doing these things that fed my soul, that fed my humanity, that allowed me to connect with other people other than this superficial, like, mm, you don't have a six pack. That's not health. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck, trying to have a six pack got it's me unhealthy. so far yeah. away from health yeah. because I was sat on the couch for so long. Fucking true. And so I think that, you know, whatever reality we create for ourselves, we're going to keep people in our feed, in our life that reinstate that narrative or reinstate Mm -hmm. that image that we're looking to attain. 
so I'm sure that when you kind of ventured into the world of talking about your struggles, talking about relationships, talking about different things, people were like, whoa, hold up. This isn't the Bradley Thor I yeah. followed. I'm sure you had haters. But what has the response been to kind of changing the messaging? I think um, I think I'm sort of I don't want to I don't want to say this because I I'm doing it to myself first. So I think people feel that they're listening to a journal more than they're listening, and that's the narrative I'm trying to sell right now. It's not I'm not preaching this to you to tell you to do this to your life. I'm preaching it to myself, and I want you to listen. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I'm not I'm not telling. Becky from Ohio that she needs to dump that guy. I'm telling Thorne from 21 years old that he needs to leave that girl because if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you because you're not ready for whatever the next step is in this situation or whatever it is. I'm trying to talk to myself and let people listen. So because of that, I'm breaking boundaries way faster than ever. And these people are getting more of an innate response because they don't have to be, they don't feel like they're being dictated to. And they don't feel like they're being lectured. Mm. They feel like they're just listening to a guy going through his own stuff. And a lot of people will ask, they'll be like, well, it's clear, like you must be going through some relationship stuff right now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going through any relationship struggles because I've done a lot. I'm going through, we're going through plenty of like work. Obviously we both have a lot of growing to do, but we're very healthy and happy. But at the same time, I'm not saying this because I'm going through it today. I'm saying this because I'm almost talking to myself before because I'm trying Mm -hmm. to internalize these lessons so that they stay relevant in my brain, Mm -hmm. that they stay relevant throughout because it's very easy, like I said, to graduate with that master's degree and then put yourself up on this pedestal of this is how much I know now Mm -hmm. instead of putting yourself back in that chair again when you were learning, putting yourself in that position to continue learning and be very hyper aware of all the mistakes you made so that you're still playing that dance along the way. So I think I've noticed, to answer your question, I've noticed that people are gravitating to it much quicker because I'm not trying to tell them how to live. I'm not trying to tell them how to change their life. I'm trying to just keep it relevant to myself. Yeah. So I phrase a lot of this stuff. You notice, like if someone goes onto my captions and stuff, I phrase a lot of this stuff from almost like a third-person perspective of like, I'm putting this out like I'm writing it on a journal, Mm -hmm. not like I need all of you to apply this advice. Do what you want with it. You Mm -hmm. may know more than I do. And if you do on this subject, please carry on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm doing this as just an effort to just place a little time capsule for myself to remember these mistakes that I made so that I continue to grow from them. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to remember a mistake you made when you were a sophomore in high school. Is I there, made plenty of yeah, them. I made, a ton, <laughs> I made a ton of them. But I, if I look back now, I'm like, oh, shit was crazy. It was fun. I learned a lot. And now here I am. But I can't, I can't pinpoint a lot of monumentous changes that happened along the way because a lot of times I just said I got up, woke up the next day and thought to myself, how do I spin this so that things work out and are better instead of thinking like great examples when my dad passed away when I was 16. You knew me very well at the time. We were mm-hmm. very close. But when my dad passed away, I was in such a hurry to be there for my mom and my sister that I forgot to feel any of it. Mm-hmm. I forgot to feel what it was like to lose a father. I didn't really, it, I was with him when he passed away cause we were out on a hike and he had like a fucking massive heart attack. His aortic valve actually split, but he, he was dying when it was just me and him. And that's a huge traumatic experience for anyone to go through. And I never went through it. Yeah. I was the only one there. I never went through it because I was in such a hurry to show everybody else that I was okay. 
and to make sure that I could help my mom, help my sister, fill his shoes, make sure that I'm there, that I didn't even ever, I still haven't processed fully the fact that my dad passed away to this day. And I'm doing tons of self-work. I mean, you can imagine every single day to try to make sure that I'm at least grieving and going through these steps. And I'm 29 years old. He passed away when I was like 16. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm still going through all these steps now to try to process it. And that's because I'm the type of person that's like, get up, put your shoes on, figure it out, problem solve and move on instead of it's okay to have a shitty Wednesday. Right. Or a shitty March, April, May. It's okay to have it be shitty and live in the shittiness and embrace what it feels like to be feeling trauma, Mm -hmm. to be feeling negative experience, to be feeling. And I'm such a go, 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 find the answer to the problem type person that I'm 29 now and it's been 12 years, 13 years since my dad passed away and I never lost my dad because I was just like, wake up, solve the problem, find the answers, be okay and function. And that means that you've processed the trauma Mm. because things are going well, Mm -hmm. right? I'm accomplished. I'm doing good things. I've found the answer. I'm clearly okay. And if I'm okay, then I processed it. But that's crazy because I still wake up now as a grown ass adult missing, needing, you know, yearning for a lot of those connections that I just moved on past because I never processed the fact that he was just gone and wasn't coming back. Yeah. So it's it's crazy to think that because you can be such a progressive minded person can get in the way of you learning because mm-hmm. you just skip it. Totally. I have, it. I have always been a fixer always. Right. I mean, when you, from a young age watching my mom struggle with addiction, I remember being like, just let me like, let me take it. Let me take it on. Cause if I can do it, I can beat it. I can figure it out. Yeah. I can move through it or I can lead the horse to water. I'm going to make her fucking drink. Right. Yeah. Like I'm so solution focused and to be hyper inde- independent now as an adult is a thousand percent my trauma response. Because in my head, I was like, if I don't do it for myself, nobody's going to do it. If I don't do it for myself, it's not going to be done right. Yeah. The person that I was supposed to be able to depend on to get these needs met didn't follow through because yeah. of their own shit, right? Yeah. And and now it's less of learning what I can do and more like this huge unlearning. What emotions, what parts of myself did I completely abandon and overlook because mom's addiction felt more important. Yeah. Like when my dad passed away, again, super unexpectedly, mm-hmm. my world crumbled because my entire life... My dad had been the very superhuman one. Yeah. Juxtaposed with my mom, who was a very human. Right. Right. And so when he passed, I remember starting to question everything. Yeah. That's what started this whole dive into personal development. Yeah. And granted, like, do I wish a traumatic event or a death of a parent or a death of a loved one on anybody to, to jumpstart your personal development? Absolutely not. But it was the first time that things were put into perspective for me that like, oh shit, like bad things happen to good people. For sure. Or life is way too short to be carrying on in a job that I hate. Oh, fuck, dude. In 
in relationships that don't serve me. And mm. I don't mean that from a selfish standpoint. No, no, no. I don't mean like they weren't giving me what I needed. No, but collaboratively. Like, yeah, absolutely. But like, is this a give and take? Are we learning from each other? If I'm the culmination of the five people that I spend the most time around, I better start centering myself around really fucking rad people. Yeah, for sure. So how are you now like looking back and seeing all of the things, the way that you did survive, the way you did cope, the way that you did make it through something as, as traumatic as your dad's passing. How are you now addressing that healing and moving forward? I'm sort of learning today. Like even as I drove over here, I'm learning to find moments to be with myself without noise coming in. Mm. So that's a, that's a new process for me. And I, it, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, meditation. And it's not meditation. The, the problem is, is that I'm, oh, I've been for so long, I've been taking in, whether it's music, um, new songs, um, emotions, people, information, learning, all this stuff. I'm always trying to 24-7 make the most out of a day. And now I do this thing where if like, I have a two, three-hour drive, I just don't listen to music the whole time. Not anything. Like at first it started, it graduated into it with like classical music, right? Because it doesn't have words, so you don't process it. But even that was enough stimulus to keep my brain on a different track. Mm -hmm. And I started doing this. This has been like, I think, eight or nine months. So if anyone wants to try it, like you're more than welcome to try it. Maybe it's right for you. Maybe it's not. But I have this capacity now where I can be with me. Actually take moments to be with me and then actually have to confront a lot of these problematic brain processing things that I do. So like I picked up fly fishing like a year ago. I've been fishing my whole life, but decided I'm just going to start fly fishing because it seems like there's enough of a distraction physically to keep my brain moving mm -hmm. without me being so hyper aware of all the sensations, the wind, the people around me, the beer, whatever it is. And now I'm doing these things. I'm doing more things that make me process and force me to do it. They force me to actually dive into myself for a little bit and process some of this stuff. And I'm realizing now that I've, I and for Anyone who doesn't know my childhood, I grew up so far away from civilization. I know we're both in California and grew up in the same town, but I grew up like 45 minutes away from that small town, which was already super small. So I was no stranger to solitude, mm -hmm. but I was a huge stranger to just actually being alone because mm. I'm always doing something. I'm always needing something, stimulate myself, keep myself busy, do something that's productive. What are you doing today to make yourself better? The mindset is super toxic because you're not actually addressing any of the problems you've run into. So now the reason, the reason why it's made me better now and what I'm doing now to get better is I'm spending that time with who I am today instead of trying to do that tomorrow, you better be better than you were today thing. Mm -hmm. Because that thing is in itself super toxic. You know, we always say like people are in the fitness industry, it's always, it's you versus you. Don't compare yourself to other people. You shouldn't be comparing yourself to yourself either. You should be on your bench, on your own team. You shouldn't be fighting yourself all along the way to try to show yourself that you're getting better because that will actually get in the way of seeing real improvement because you're never coming actually to terms with who you are today if you're continuing to just try to improve it. Right. And if you're always just looking into tomorrow, what am I going to be tomorrow? How much more money am I going to make? Is the job going to get better? Am I going to have better abs in 2021? All this stuff puts you in this weird box where you're like, I better be better next year because if I'm not, I'm going to lose my shit and I'm going to have nothing to show for it. Where it's mm -hmm. like, dude, it's all right to, for me to fall out of love with anything that I'm doing. If as long as I come to terms with it that day, that it's no longer an interest or a love or a necessity. Mm -hmm. 
But you're never going to, you'll wake up in 10 years and be like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm still in this job? You're telling me I'm still in this job just because they promoted me? Right. Or I'm still doing CrossFit and I'm fucking 37 years old? Like, not that that's wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are 37 doing CrossFit, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I've been doing it for 15 years. Why am I doing it? But you're not asking those questions from day to day if you're not spending time with yourself. So, like, I just started learning that, like, wow, I get very productive if I turn the noise off because we're always taking in. Mm. And there's a screen in front of your face giving you information, even if it's fucking TikTok. It doesn't matter what it is. It's giving you information to process mm-hmm. or um, even even sex itself or the desire to have sex or just that need, that constant need for affection can get in the way of you processing who you are as you are. So we have all these distractions all the time and all these things. And I finally, and I know I don't want to get too deep into this subject because it's just one of many, but sex itself as a substance of that being its own distraction mm-hmm. because it's such a distraction in your brain. Can you put yourself in a headspace at any time and point where affection with yourself, just being with yourself in a quiet space is enough stimulus? Mm-hmm. Can you distract from those constant needs for touch, for smell, for noise? Or are you just needing that at all times? I think something great that you touch on there is not needing the stimulus, right? But also falling in love with even the shadowy parts of yourself. Like if you get quiet with yourself, one that's been big for me in 2020 is like, I never let myself feel angry. It wasn't acceptable as a woman we're not supposed to be mad. We're not supposed to be angry. Like heaven or forbid, yeah, like heaven forbid I scream at a sports game, mm-hmm. right? Mind you, if you come to my house on Sunday, yeah, I am screaming <laughs> at the football game. But we get this story that women are not allowed to be mad or men are not allowed to be Feminine. sad or empathetic or mm-hmm. compassionate, right? And And at the end of the day, we have all of those parts. Whether or not we cast them in the shadows, they are there. And in my opinion, healing is not no longer feeling those emotions. Healing is accepting them, greeting them at the dinner table, giving them a seat just alongside happiness and joy and all these things that are socially acceptable to feel and saying like, hey, you exist in me. And when you come out, what are you saying? How are you trying to protect me? How are you showing up in a way that is here to serve my survival and my being and my knowingness? And a lot of times... You can't get clear on that until you're quiet or until you're willing to talk about it, until you're willing to have these hard conversations and things like TikTok, sex, different distractions like that. And can sex be a beautiful dance and a place for connection and intimacy? Yes. But if you haven't done the shadowy work, in my experience, your sex life can get 10,000 times better (laughs) when you are showing up as an integrated person. It's it. I mean, it, it's tough and it's a tough bridge to cross because we're just consumers now. And we like to, and when I mean we, I mean all of us. Literally, I, I am and I'm very aware of it. But we're just consumers now all the time. Where we're always taking in, taking in, taking in because of how much we're asked to produce. Mm. We're asked to produce. Like, what are you, what are we producing as a society? What are we doing instead of just being? And not a lot of people just be anymore. And I think that's why I've always had such an affinity for, for, groveland the town that we grew up in is that i am like a fucking steaming ball of ambition like everywhere i go it's just ambition 
I want everyone around me to feel the energy. I'm so fucking direct. Everyone around me has to feel my presence. I want you to, f- I want you to be motivated by the fact that you're sitting next to me. I want you to want to be a better you because of the way you hear me doing my self-work. But when I go back home, a lot of people have embraced in the most beautiful way life just as it is. Mm. I make what I make, come home, and I enjoy these moments. Now, am I saying that ambition is always toxic? No, but ambition very often takes you out of the moment. Mm. And I always liked to ground myself back in that position because I realized that there was a moment in time where I was taught by my wonderful mother, but I was taught that there's more for you than this. So go find it because you got all you needed out of this. But I never did because I was always thinking I'm just pretentiously a little bit better than what's around me. Like, this is a small what's town. What's the next step? It's a small where town. am I going? Right. It's a small town. Where are you going to school? Are you going to do something bigger than people do around here? Instead of waking up and being like, bro, I woke, <laughs> I woke up, fucking finished my master's degree and woke up one day and went, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. What do I do next? Is it a PhD? Is it making 150 next year? Is it, you know, is it making sure that I buy a, like buy a nicer house or live in a more pretentious town or, you know, write a better book or a better article or something like that? Or is the next step learning how to just be like, well, fuck, accomplish that. Let me take a step back and just be, can I just be, I've never just been before, Yep. just been foreign. Like, and that's why I always love being around people who know me from my childhood because they still see me as the infant version of myself or as the youthful version of myself, as the version of myself that hadn't done those things yet. And I'm meeting a lot of people now, which is great because all these people are challenging my ideas and putting me in positions to grow. But I'm now finding along the way that people now see me as this finished product. They see me as like, dude, you've done this. You have a million followers on TikTok. You have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. You're now listened to as a fitness mind in a large community of people who want to look up to you, who tell us your story. And they're seeing me as, as a, right now I'm a signpost for everything that's come right, to one the, place. The poster yeah. child. You're, you've done it. Now what, what's the story? You're a strength and conditioning coach. It's not, and I'm now coming to terms with the fact I don't want any of those things to be my identity because at any point in time, I reserve the right to fall out of love with it. I want to be able to say, ah, not my thing anymore. I w- dude, even as crazy as having a master's degree in physiology, if I want to wake up tomorrow and just be a carpenter, let me go that direction without anybody asking, what the fuck happened, dude? Like, why are you- I don't want that. I don't want that identity being associated with me. I have a master's degree. I am not a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Or I am a strength and conditioning coach. Or I work as a strength and conditioning coach right now. See what I mean as the difference is like, well, it's a part of you, not all of you. Yeah, not all of me. So I want to, I want to reserve those rights. And that now as a 29 year old, I'm happy it happened before I turn 30, which will be happening next year. But I'm just really happy that I've come to terms with the idea that it's totally okay at any point in time to completely shift, pick up, change direction and go for something new. And it's hard for people our age because it's like so many of us have worked so fucking hard. And just like, I honestly think that people who went to call, this is going to be so crazy for a lot controversial. of people. Yeah, controversial. A lot of people are going to want to fucking argue with this. But the people who went to college and grinded and grinded it out just to finish that degree because they were told to went through so much fucking trauma and self-hatred because they all put themselves 
through a huge chunk of it. Like, let's make no mistake about it. Four years is a bachelor. So that's a big chunk of your life. I'd say the average person gets it done in five and a half years, if we're just guessing. And then some people go to school for their master's because when they finish that bachelor's, they're like, it doesn't mean anything. Give me more. Mm -hmm. That is traumatic to put all of yourself into something and your identity into something for that significant amount of time. And, come and out starting at 18. Yeah. And come out, know, the 17, other end, 18. come out the other end completely empty. You're like, I don't care who's listening. When you finish your degree, you are, there's no more empty feeling than the day after you graduate with a degree. It's the most empty feeling in the world because you're like, okay, did that. Now what? <sighs> yeah, what's next? And then you're like, that'll fucking floor you right there because you're like, wait, that wasn't enough. That wasn't it. There's more. Oh, that's right. Okay. I got to grind until I'm 75. And then you just wake up and you're like, my fucking life lacks substance, lacks meaning, lacks identity. You see, you meet so many other people that when you, I mean, for me, it was when I was sitting on that stage with a bachelor's degree was the first time it hurt me because I looked around and was like, something that separated me from all my friends growing up was that I went to college. Mm -hmm. But then I look around at just this one university graduating from just this one department and there's hundreds, thousands of us right now today graduating in California just California with the same degree. I'm not different at all, mm -hmm. but I work so hard for this and it doesn't set me apart at all. And you can keep chasing that as far as you want to go. And education is beautiful and science is beautiful because it progresses us further and further along. But at some point there is a trade-off, which is you're only here for a hundred years. Well, hopefully. If you're lucky. Yeah. 75 to a hundred years. You're only here for a fucking blip in time. And when you die at the end of that, there is an importance to what you did for yourself. Because we're always taught to be selfless. Like, how are you progressing the mm -hmm. world? What are you producing? Are you making the world a better place? But it's like, at some point, there does need to be a little bit of hedonism in there where you're like, is it, was it fun? Did I enjoy like a Monday morning? Or did I just wake up with my eyes half closed and stumble into the car and just drive to work? Right. How much of it was like years? this automatic, mindless thing? And I don't think that puzzle piece is fitting anymore. I think COVID fucked it. I think it just came in blue. I think it's very ironic that the very disease that um, we're dealing with right now doesn't allow people to be in the same room together, socializing. It doesn't allow people to go to work. It doesn't allow us to have the very basic bones of what makes people interactive and grow and change. It kind of froze everything. We didn't produce anything for a while. We didn't grow as a society in any direction. We were forced to look in the mirror for like eight months of seeing what our problems were from a racial perspective, from a political perspective, how far behind we still were in so many places. And COVID kind of came in as like this weird, almost metaphorical stab and said, everything you're doing right now is not working. Mm -hmm. And progress for the sake of progress is very poisonous. Mm. because it just totally, th it thrashes everything. It throws you out the window and it takes your life and puts it into this place where it's like, your life is bigger than you. It's meant to serve other people, right? That's what, kind of where we've been for a long time. Like, are you a doctor? Are you saving lives? Are you a firefighter? Did you, did you do something with your career that helped people? Because that's what gives you meaning. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, uh, from a selfish perspective, I think there's been a lack of purpose from just how fun it was. How good was it? Did you enjoy it? Did you really like, was there even one Wednesday you can look back on and be like, damn, that was just a random ass day. I did a bunch of fun, free flowing childish stuff just cause I was in the mood for it. I don't think there's a lot of people that have any of those stories anymore. And I think that 
we sort of were blessed. I hate, I hate that concept because so many people lost their lives to COVID, but we were blessed with the concept of something coming in and putting it to a halt mm-hmm. because I don't think there's going to be as many people now that are willing to go back to that same grind. Yeah. It put things in reality, right? Like my microcosm of getting hurt and sitting on the couch and having to reevaluate my life happened on such a macro scale where COVID literally put everyone on their couch in a Zoom conference or whatever, right? But there were so many people, so many marriages, relationships that I watched fail. There were so many people that like, heaven forbid you get quiet and get clear on yourself. Like they started making sourdough bread, right? There was a boom. I've been stuck in my, I've been stuck because shelter in place was like, I've been stuck in my house for six months and we haven't done anything. Let me out of my cage. It's like, hold on, bro. Hold on. Did you go for a bike ride Mm -hmm. once? Because mm-hmm. that, that was totally cool. We're cool with that. You're allowed to, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to go for a walk, a hike. And people are like, well, where I live, I can't do that. Okay. Well, where you live, you've been living for 10 years. So you're going to tell me, like say downtown San Francisco is a great example. You're going to tell me for 10 years, you live somewhere where you couldn't get any outside time and it was totally good with you. And now all of a sudden to your core, it shakes you. You can't leave your house. Okay. Well, there was a deeper problem there that I'm happy we addressed. Mm-hmm. because our DNA is literally just built to move. And if we're not doing in from a very like s- simplistic perspective, we're still fucking caveman, dude. Like we all are yeah. like, we still need to go and just roll a rock over or go swimming in a random ass place. Or, and we did that as kids. And that's why we're all so fucking genetically different than a lot of people who grew <laughs> or up. Or corn fed yeah. white kids from yeah, the just, hill. And, and, and I think it's important. I think that part of your life is very important. I think a lot of people get a fresh perspective when they start getting outside and not doing that. But the problem is, is the COVID came in and did, it did present us with the opportunity to do that, but nobody, t- nobody really took it. Mm. And now we're just in a rush. You can feel this kind of building tension where it's like everyone wants to get back. Everyone wants to get back to the, sitting around a table at a brewery and drinking together and everyone wants to hug and, you know, go put their card down on a fucking bar table and go meet people they didn't know before. Everyone's in a hurry for that, but nobody addressed their problems and they had a lot of time. They had a lot of time. And I'm not going to say that I didn't get a PhD in my time during COVID. I mean, I didn't learn to paint, but what I did do is I did learn that I'm not very satisfied with the way I spent the last 29 years because I need something that serves me to my soul a little bit better. And that something is going to be trying to reach more people or help more people or share my very basic knowledge that might not have anything to do with science. And it's okay that I'm not using my master's degree as much if I do that. Yeah. That's fine. And it's okay. And I I think I finally, I'm cool with it. I'm chill with it. I'm fine if it leads me to a completely different career path or even a life path, I'm good with it. And at least I came out of those nine months, 10 months kind of birthed into a new direction with that. So that's fine. I mean, I'm good with that. And I think a lot of people are being kind of told by their, you know, their employers like, well, what'd you do with your time off? And it's like, hold on, does not call it a vacation. It was a global pandemic. Right. It wasn't a vacation. My nervous system was on overdrive. Overdrive. And now you want me to come back to work in my car and park and come to work for nine to five for five days a week and jump right back into this when we're finding out that that fucking system has never been questioned because we got this hyper, everybody, women included, have this hyper masculinity about we grind and we don't complain. 
We just nose to the grindstone. We put in the work and we're making sure that we don't complain about the little things because we're lucky to have a house. We're lucky to be able to have food in our fridge. We're lucky to have a family and that's bullshit. It's total bullshit. And so many people are dying on this fucking hill of being a total just sacrifice their whole life, their whole breathing existence has just been to serve. And I'm meeting people now who are like, I'm a nurse. I've been saving lives for 15 years and I hate it. Mm. But I feel wrong if I leave because of all the people. I, no, 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 no. If your heart's not in it, I don't want you there. Because if I'm laying on that table and I need to be treated, taken care of, I damn sure hope the person that's taking care of me wants to be there. Yeah. Same with teachers. Like how many teachers have fallen out of love and they're like, oh, I can't fucking do it anymore. This is crazy. I can't do it anymore. And you're sculpting the yeah. future. But I'm a teacher, so this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to grind it until I fucking retire. And it's like, I hope more people quit. I hope more people are okay once they, like I hate, I can't even stand it when you hear people listening to like motivational speakers and it's all about like just pushing through. It's just too much for me. But I think more people just need to quit. And I think we'd get way more results out of the people around us and the better versions of them if they just stop doing whatever they're doing. Because mm -hmm. you can make a better impact on our world being a sourdough bread maker if you love doing it than being a shitty nurse. Because whatever you dump your passion into is for sure going to impact more people than something you're half-assing just right. because you think you're saving lives. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that we're going to come to a conclusion as a society, but I hope at least 20% of us maybe come out the other end and we're like, hey, it's all right. We're... Maybe we'll slow down a little bit. Maybe we'll laugh at the other people from, you know, a different perspective and be like, hey, if you, if you want to do the nine to five thing and grind until you die, 12, 12 hours a day, five days a week, do it. And that could feed that soul, could. right? Like, I don't think you or I would say, if that's what you're into, don't do it, right? Like, True. if that feeds you, cool, go for it. Um, I think what you were talking about earlier about people rushing back and I want to throw my card down at the brewery and connect and meet yeah. people I haven't met before. Right. That's all people that weren't okay with or didn't get comfortable with the uncomfortability that is what you were talking about earlier, being with yourself, yeah. being in these moments where I can get quiet and I can get uncomfortable and I can get real. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, why we watched relationships fail or get better. That's why we watched, you know, people improve or, or not. And I, I want to say, I, I don't want to like discredit anyone's experience, but one of the things I want to say is like, is it an easier road? Is it the road less traveled, more comfortable to go right back to where you were? Where was where you were before getting you? And if it was getting you exactly where you wanted to go, cool, sure, go back to it. But if you'd spent the last nine months getting clear on who you are and where you're going, and if your old path wasn't taking you there, there's nothing wrong with abandoning it. True. And I know you said that this was, you know, about an hour ago, but you were saying that people are DMing you saying, hey, you know, how do I become you or what's the first step? And, and you kind of send people on a different journey. What's that, what's that response like? What's the first thing you tell that person? Um, it's not, they're not very receptive and they haven't been very receptive to me. They think I'm trying to be humble, mm. which I'm not. And I think a lot of people like they do reframe that. And I've found myself in a position where a lot of people are like, well, if you really get to know him and listen to what he's saying, he's such a humble guy. Like he just, 
he's really so self-aware and realizes that he's not the shit and that it's actually not very true at all. In fact, I have to check myself. Nobody who's really humble has to check themselves every day on their vanity. I have to check myself every fucking day and go, dude, you're not, you're not that special. Right. Come on. You're not that great. It's awesome. You think the world thinks you're this important. Right. right. But, but <laughs> you're not. And you're not. And you'll run into people all the time. But I, um, at least I'm great about, and I will say, I'll give this credit to myself. I'm great about checking myself every day. Not sometimes. I'm great at checking myself every day. I'm also great at not apologizing for being vain. Right. Because I feel that that's, it's not a skill to be vain, but that attribute about myself is why I'm delivering this message in the first place because I have the self-confidence to do so Mm. and you know when they say like I'm not going to deliver any message with my mouth closed there's no chance anyone's going to hear what I have to say if I don't fucking talk so I will say that it is serving me but I think a lot of people take that as me trying to redirect them as me being humble and it's like no no you're misunderstanding what I'm saying they'll come to me like this girl the other day was like hey you know, I really don't want to go to college. She wrote me, she's like 17, wrote me a direct message on Instagram and say, hey, I'm 17. My parents really want me to go to school. For They said it's cool if I go to school for anything as long as I go to college. I really don't want to go to school. Can you tell me about what you went to school for? Can you give me some advice if I'm going to go to school to go into exercise physiology? What is it like? And what should I do to sort of prepare myself for it? Or, you know, how can I make my journey better? Or what's a good school for that? And I turned around and I said, please don't go to college. Like, please don't go to college. It's like not, I wasn't trying to say it from like, Hey, you don't want this life. It's not as sparkly. I was literally just trying to say, it sounds like your heart's not in it. Give yourself a year, go do some shit that you're uncomfortable with and just find out if that's really the direction you want to go. Please don't jump right into something this committal because I did it. Doesn't mean that it's going to serve you the same way it served me, especially if your heart's not in it. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to steer people in these directions and they want to snap back in a very polite way, but they want to snap back immediately and say, well, you're just being humble. You're just saying that you're not the best. So you don't want us to be like you. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm telling you that I took the least efficient route you can take in life. And I went through way too much trauma, lost way too many friends, had way too many family members pass away and didn't ever go to the funeral or reach out or actually experience things because I was in too much of a hurry to just get something done. And I missed out on so much life to try to make my life better. And I can't get that time back. So I'm trying to steer people in a direction where they're choosing life over productivity first, because the productivity will always be a necessity. There's always going to be a level, what, not always, 90% of the time, there's going to be a level of productivity just from the fact that you have to feed yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to put a roof over your head and you're going to find a way to do it for the most part. You're going to find a way to make those puzzle pieces fit. You can't get back yesterday and I missed plenty of funerals, plenty of parties, plenty of things like you were saying for the sake of being productive, productive, right? Missed a lot of those events for the sake of trying to do that. So now I'm trying to steer people in the other direction and they don't want to hear it. They just want to say, you're just being humble because of where you're at and you're standing. It's right. easier to say that from where you're standing. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm not standing anywhere. Like I'm literally scraping by month to month to find meaning for my life. Like I wake up in the morning, not sure if I love everything that I'm doing and reassess it every day. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I've not made anything. I've not made it. There's nothing to be made here. Like I've, you, you look at me and you're like, Hey, not you specifically. People look at me and they're like, Hey, that's a great bit of advice. He must have the answers. No, no. I'm just sharing as I learn. Right. 
Little journal And that's entries. exactly what you're saying. Like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Anything. And to put yourself out there consistently and be talking to people and giving this kind of advice. I know for myself, you can tell me if this feels true to you. I too have been just speaking from experience. Hey, this is what I'm going through. Thanksgiving was fucking hard. Here's how I got through it, Mm -hmm. right? Different things like that. And I know that I start to feel like this imposter syndrome come up. Mm. Like, who am I? Who am I to give you advice on this? And have you ever had a moment where you write a caption or you write a response and and you kind of pause and you have that moment of like, oh, wait a minute. I lose pieces of myself every time I share information or share advice. So like, I feel like, what's my, what's a good like pop culture reference? Like fucking pretty much anytime I dump my soul into something, I'm losing a little bit of me Hmm. along the way. I feel like, when I take a picture in a moment and post that moment, I'm stuck in that moment every time I see that picture and I get sent right back into that headspace. And it's almost like it's segmenting, like segmenting out my life every time I put a caption in, in a place that I'm at. So I try to not look at my own stuff. I try not to reread my own captions. Uh, yeah. I try not to look at great pictures of myself that I took a year ago where I'm like, God damn it, dude, I look so great right there. Like I was, a, I was in great shape. It was great lighting, a great picture because then it forces me to forget all the work I did that day, all the negatives I felt that day, all the ups and downs. And it forces me to sort of romanticize that moment and be like comparing myself to that. Like that, damn, I said that two years ago. That is fucking intelligent. Like that is so like, I really grasped something there. How can I get back into that headspace? But I'm not building on stairs when I do that. I'm not taking a step up. I'm just jumping right back into that place. And you know, when they always tell you like, like in the Eastern world, how there's a lot of beliefs where if you take a picture that you traps your soul or it, it sort of takes your soul. If you mm-hmm. take a picture of somebody, it's actually pretty true. We just don't look at it in a modern light, mm-hmm. but it happens because how many people look back on pictures and like, what a picture. I love that picture. I'm going to save that picture. I'm going to look at that picture. I'm going to put it as my screensaver and freeze that moment in time. And my sister's an amazing photographer. So there's something beautiful about photography, but there's also something very, very sinister about it, which is you have a much harder time graduating on from moments. If you continue to look back on those moments, because you're not allowing yourself to fill some new space with just an Mm. open flow. Yeah you're still fitting into some compartment that you were in before. So I, to get back to what you were asking, I have a very hard time putting my captions or my emotions or something into a brief moment and sharing it with people because it freezes me in place for a long time. Hours after I write that, I'm still like a little distant. Mm-hmm. I'm still like a little bit gapped out from the real world right here. Like I'm still a little bit... I can't have a personal conversation right now because I just put so much into that to share people with that moment and really do it eloquently in a way where I can kind of help people relate to me Mm -hmm. that I wasn't actually here in the room that I was in where I typed that message. So like I'm finding now along the way that the more I share, the more I lose. Mm. The more that I try to help, the more pieces of me that I can't get back. And I started to spread myself so thin. I was like, okay, how do I monetize this in a way where I can help more people help as many people as I can, but not put so much of me into it, not, not lose so much of me. 
Do you see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I've lost a lot of me in the past with social media because I've tried so hard to help people that I haven't had the opportunity to really put that same amount of energy into just helping myself. And I'm finding that to be the biggest challenge with sharing with people, with letting that out there, with putting that out there and their reception of it is like it's taking bits of me along the way. Mm-hmm. And if someone will message you in a month, of a catch from they read from a month ago and it brings me immediately right, right back. back into that headspace. Yeah. Right now. And now I have lost that last month because I have to revisit it again. And it's okay to revisit stuff. I mean, we learn that in all sorts of psychological environments where it's okay to revisit things you haven't processed. But a caption is me processing it. Mm. I did process it. I'm good with it. Let's move on. Let's talk about the next thing. But I'm putting myself out there in a way where I can't. Right. Move on. There's an entire page right now sitting on the internet, just pictures of different months all throughout the year, different weeks, different days of me, like a calendar laid out and their little signposts along the way, where if you roll up on that page, other people look at it and be like, whoa, this is a lot of photography. I look at it and I'm like, I feel something every time I see that picture because mm. it brings me right back into that headspace. Well, there's something really, you know, kind of beautiful and and not so beautiful i i liken it to when someone goes to a concert when we could do that when someone goes to a concert and all of a sudden their entire instagram story or snapchat or whatever it is you know whatever platform you're on is just like song after song after <laughs> song after song. it looks like more john mayer code, for right? 35 stories yeah. yeah and you're like did were you even at the concert did you watch like anything? did were you present And so I think what that's what so much of this conversation boils down to is like, we don't have yesterday. Mm. We don't even have the, you know, when we hit record on this podcast, that's gone. Yeah. That's in the past. Like what we have is right now and what we do with right now is what's so beautiful. The decisions, the responses, the different things that we make in this moment is what we know to be true and what we know to have. So if people want to get their hands on your captions, if they want to see more about what you're about, where can people get a hold of you? Um, I don't want to turn this into a sales tactic and I don't even know where I'm going in my life with this direction and what's going to happen. Um, I'm, I am creating currently right now. I'm creating an app. Um, that app is going to be called Oak in Oak. O-A-K? No, it's actually going to be a line over the O and an H and a K. So it's pronounced like the tree, but I had to make it different for licensing reasons and creativity purposes. (laughs) There wasn't enough just O-A-K available. And the whole concept behind it was that I look at fitness and health as sort of this, we need to find something that burns for a long time, not Uh, just quick now. Not kindling. Yeah, we're we're not looking to just heat the house up today. We want something that lasts. So I was just thinking like, it's on brand. It is who I am. But at the same time, it's also kind of has that representation of the reason why I've had so much success with fitness is because I don't miss workouts. Mm-hmm. Consistency. I don't, I don't miss days. I don't miss because it's my medicine and it's the way I cope. I'm trying to get other people to find that medicine, but not the way I did. Right. It's not, I'm not trying to get them to find the same passion for building their shoulders for bodybuilding. Maybe, maybe they really like CrossFit. Maybe they really like just fucking weaving baskets. Maybe they're super into the idea of just training for a triathlon. I don't care what it is. I just want them to find consistency through my app, feel what consistency feels like for them. There's going to be a ton of science in there. There's going to be a ton of just, of course, a bunch of my esoteric bullshit. There's going to be a (laughs) lot of videos and an absolute shitload of nutritional knowledge. But really at the end of the day, it all boils down to just helping people find the sensation of consistency. So they see that it's not this weird, you know, 
motivational cyclical process of just getting really fit right after a breakup right? or making these signposts in your life of all that one time. When I was in high school, I benched 315 pounds and it was so great. I want to hear what you're doing today. And I want to see a bunch of people make today a livable experience that they can repeat. Hell yeah. Yeah. So that, that's going to be sick. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then finally, I mean, if you just go on social media platforms, I'm probably fucking around on whatever the newest app is and just having fun with it and finding loopholes in the system. I do screw around on TikTok. I do have fun with Instagram. If you just type in my name, Thorin, you're going to find me guaranteed because I'm probably one of the only ones in the world. So just do your thing. And um, of course, I don't need people. If you find me organically, it's even better. So I'm in places, but more importantly, I I can't wait to see how this podcast grows. But I do need something in return, which is I, when I build the app, I need, we need to do a couple workouts together. I'm down. Where all I need you to do is just pick, we'll go exercise for exercise back and forth or whatever complex for complex and just pick a routine as we collaborate together with a general goal. And then you just have to talk about it. Why you pick the exercise. Love it. Yeah, that's it. And we if got you it. do that, we'll, we'll at least serve a lot of the women who don't just need to listen to a guy speak all day on the same app. So it'd be pretty sick to get. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't there. live that far away, so you can do it. I'm here. I'm here for it. I love that. Awesome, guys. Make sure to check out Thorin on all the platforms. I'll link them in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me Always. Today. I can't wait for the next one.